Good evening, everybody. We're back for another episode at Live It, Love It, Fuck It podcast. I'm your host, like always, George. Today, we know we're gonna talk about something interesting. You know, it could be a little sensitive, but it's about toxic relationships and how that could affect you and what people went through, the scars, the stories. It could affect our futures, it could affect our jobs, our families. It could really, really fuck with our mental health. And today I brought in some guests um, who has experience both in and out of it, either through life experience, school experiences, or he just knows people. I'm gonna give the mic over to them for they can introduce themselves and then we can continue the conversation. My name is Eduardo. Uh, most people call me Eddie. Uh, married for oh man, how many years? 15 years, uh, three children. Eight, 17, girl just turned 12. So in college, I originally went in for telecommunications and played around a little bit with accounting, but eventually um, got my degree in behavioral science, just a bachelor's. I never really took it beyond that. That's cool. Um, so yeah, behavioral science. Uh, my name is Giovanna, they call me Gio. I am 34, I have a 12 year old son. I am divorced um, and I am a teacher with the city of New York. How does it, how's education going? How's the school system going for you right now? Uh, right now, it's a little hard since, you know, we're going through this corona. So, you know, we're getting the hang of it, trying to work with parents and trying to get uh, children to actually log in or have some type of communication, which is hard because a lot of my kids don't have laptops or iPads or even internet, so... Hey, what's, going, <laughs> what's going on? Um, my 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 government name is Edward. Um, people call me Eddie, but because uh, um, Eduardo's Eddie, I'll be Edward today. I am 35 years old. Um, I'm currently single and in, in, in the dating scene right now. I am. How can I say it? Um, I went to school. I went to school for criminal justice for undergrad and for grad school um, counseling. All right, that's cool, man. Hello, my government name is Carmen, but <laughs> everybody calls me Veronica, Vero, however you want to say it. Um, I am a single mom of four children, and I don't know what else to say about me. I, um, it's funny that we're touching um, the subject on toxic relationships, and I was actually a victim of a very toxic relationship. And definitely want to hear your point of view on that. When I, when I think about toxic relationship, I think about different levels of it. You could talk about relationship toxic of relationships with domestics. You could talk about physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. <clears throat> There's so many levels of it. But um, just to start it off, one of the one things I did want to ask you guys, what do you think are the signs that lead to toxic relationships? Because I think when we meet somebody for the first time, we try to be blind and we try to just see the good about it of what people have. But sometimes we're so lost and blind by what we experience that we lie to ourselves. You know, it takes maybe months or weeks or even years to figure that out. Anyone want to comment on that? Um, I, I, I would say maybe dependency. Um, you know, if someone's attached to you by the hip and they're obsessively attached to you um, and they want to know your every move, they want to, you know, it comes off as if it's jealousy um, sometimes. But, you know, I think that, that that's actually a form of codependence and codependence is very, very toxic. Um, you know, I, a lot of people that are in quarantine right now, you know, I've heard them, they would just became single and, you know, they're like, damn, I don't know what to do. 
I don't know what to do with my life right now. That's because they have done nothing but been in their relationship. They haven't, um, they don't have any hobbies. They don't have um, friends that they talk to or whatnot. They separate themselves, you know? So I think codependency is very toxic. And one of the traits is definitely, um, how you call it, like obsessive, like a dependency on people being around that person, you know, like an obsession. I feel like um, also the signs are that, you know, like he was saying codependency, but also like they're just giving you material things. So when they do mess up or you catch the mic on a little mistake, they just go ahead and throw it. Oh, here's a pair of boots. Oh, you know what? Here's this. And a lot of material things, they control you. You know, it, it, it's control. That's, that's mm-hmm. a huge sign, control. So that's, that's one of the signs. Yeah, I agree. And I think also to go with that is that hope, you know, it's just like when you keep hoping that they will change, when you keep expecting them to change, like that's a big sign. Because it's you wanting them to change, you want them to change for a reason. You know, so you keep lying to yourself saying, oh, they're doing this because they're mad or they're doing this because they had a bad day or something that they're going through. But then it becomes a habit. And then you realize that it's not going to change. Exactly. Um, I guess for me, I think that usually the signs are there early. Um, like you said, I, I, I'm, I'm one person that always tries to see like the best in everything. I actually was in a five and a half year toxic relationship. The sign, and looking back now and even just, you know, us conversating now, um, the signs for me were there probably within three to six months. And there was a point right away that I, I kind of came to a crossroads and I was like, do I walk away or do I try to give this person uh, the benefit of the doubt? I took the benefit of the doubt route and that became five more years. And when I tell you, it was bad. As a man, I'm thinking in my head, man, yo, what's going to keep me there besides pussy? So that pussy must have so, been good for me to even think, <laughs> I'm going to give benefit of <laughs> the doubt. That's just my point of view of things too. Because you always want to give benefit so, out for, you know, we don't want to lose a woman either. Yeah. So I'll I give you the story. The story is a little bit bugged out. So I met the person, I met, I met her in, um, in college. So we're both in school and in conversating after a few weeks, found out she was a stripper. So that's what she did on the side, which I was like, okay, you know, at the time I was young and I was like, oh, whatever. And, um, Again, there was, you know, she had, a, she had a lot of male friends and stuff, which I was okay with. I didn't have any issue with that. I didn't really, you know, some of my friends were like, yo, how you do that? But within the first three to six months, there were, there were little signs where she came from a, a kind of a hectic background. And she, she kind of expressed that in the beginning. But there were certain things she would do to, it's almost like she figured me out quick. And she knew the buttons to push to kind of make me feel bad with certain things. And within the first six months, she actually, um, she wound up, I kind of caught her out there talking to somebody. So on top of that, you know, there were, there were a couple of little arguments that kind of um, happened prior to me catching her. So she managed to kind of make it, spin it in a way that I almost felt like it was my fault. And I remember questioning and I was like, you know what, everything's worth a second chance. And like I said, that led to about five years of just craziness. Um, you know, come to find out later, she actually was alcoholic. Um, she was in AA twice during our, our relationship. And again, she just knew the buttons to push. She knew enough of how I reacted, my background. She, she was very good at manipulating. I saw this later on towards the end is when I saw the manipulation tactics. You know, when you're in the midst of it, 
and, and you know, things were things seemed good on the surface. You know, we we had a it was just me and her, no children. We had a huge two bedroom apartment. We going on trips. We were, you know, so there were highs, but there were a lot more lows than the highs. The highs always came as like a cover, you know. Usually, um, when, when stuff was getting real bad, you know, we take a trip for like two weeks to Miami or something crazy like that. But uh, a lot of a lot of verbal abuse where, and not in the sense like you know she's screaming at me, but it was just like I said, the manipulation. Like she knew. How to be like, you know, you're just like all the other guys. And that would play into my my head, like, oh my god, I don't want to be like the other guys. I'm trying to be different. So, so yeah, so was... my question to you is: Do you think for everyone in the room, manipulation <clears throat> plays a key role in in being in a toxic relationship? I think with kids, especially, you know, mm-hmm. the kids rule, or oh, we just got in a relationship now, or what my family's gonna think about from the from the from the young ladies that are here. What do you think about, or if you want to share a story about that, in your opinion, about manipulation? Manipulation takes a big role in um, toxic, you know, relationship. Me, I, you know, the signs were always there, but it was me that I didn't just, I didn't want to see it. And being that they manipulate you so much that when you try to think of leaving, it's like you're already trained, you know? It's like, no, if I leave, then this is going to happen. Or if I leave, then I don't know if I'm going to be able to, you know, carry the baggage, um, you know, myself, because you have your kids involved. So manipulation takes a big role when it comes to domestic violence, toxic verbal abuse, everything. Yeah, um, I think manipulation plays a big part as well. Um, I was married, and he used that to his advantage, because now my son came into play. So it was like, okay, you're married. You know, the law is crazy, because I couldn't do certain things because we had that marriage certificate. And when it came, like he used to threaten me with my son, like I'm gonna take my, your son away or I'm gonna take you to court. So it's like, I didn't wanna him. deal with any of that. I didn't wanna put my son through any of that. So it was like, okay, I would just go along with it or I'll just kind of give in. Well, on, honestly, manipulation plays a, a big role. And it, it, it what, manipulation gives people sometimes, I believe, false hope. Mm. I think that when people get manipulated, when people are manipulative, it allows you, it, it allows um, second chances when you shouldn't really get one. It allows toxicity to continue, to continue um, and not stop, not end. It also gives a false hope that he'll change, she'll change, it won't be me. You know, maybe if I have a child, maybe that'll help. Um, you know, maybe if I get married, maybe that will help. I think manipulation is very, very, it, it, it's, it's the most important thing, I think, when it comes to control and controlling a situation, you know, and once you have complete control over that person, I, you kind of win until something drastic happens. So I just, I let me, I just wanted to add that. So years later, <clears throat> I stood in contact with my ex and stuff, and um, we had a conversation about you know, our relationship and stuff. And one of the things she told me that blew my mind was she said for her, the manipulation was like a drug. It was like she was addicted to it. And, and she almost, it was the rush of seeing how far she could, she could get things to go, how far she could push things. And I mean, that, that blew my mind because, you know, again, even years later, you know, you always wind up with the scars and the pain and stuff from the past. So I remember just thinking like, wow, like this is what was going through her head in those five and a half years, you know, that she she almost got off to, you know, almost like a high for her, like 
to be able to, okay, I got away with it this way. I was able to push him to do this. I was able to, to you know, spin the narrative this way. So for her, she said it was almost like, like just like but she had it, the issue is, with isn't drinking. that isn't that like a, a human nature thing that we all want to be win? We all want to win. We all want of the course. best thing of out yeah. there. Is it a drug? But then my question to you, everyone in this room, is it temporary or is it a permanent thing when you meet someone toxic? Or is it that one person that could turn you and then make you into a toxic relationship that you're in? Because let's face it, I think I, in my whole, my whole life, you know, I met only one person that triggered me enough to be in a toxic relationship. And I wonder if, if it just falls, is this just a personality trait? Is it temporary or is it just you that you triggered them? Or, you know, like some guys out there are very possessive. I met men out there that tell me I'm obsessed with this woman. I don't want to see this woman with nobody else. It's mine. Even after we break up, she's mine. And I see women that, yep, that guy's mine. And guess what? He ain't going nowhere. I'll fucking ruin his life because he ain't going nowhere. And I think I go back to thinking about how many years you play in that role. And the reason why I want to bring this up, because recently I met someone that told me, George, I spent 20 something years with this one person. I fixed him up. He was an addict. He went through shit in life. And then after 20 years of fighting back and forth, it got physical, left me, and now he's a happy man. So the person I build and I went through all that shit, someone else is enjoying it. Has anyone felt that way or anyone seen stuff like that? Because do people stick around because of that? Because like, damn, I wasted so many years on that. But you know, she shouldn't feel that way because let's say she helped them out. And like they say, they always put people in your path, in your life path. Everybody's put there for a reason. It's either a lesson learned, something good for you, or something good for them. So maybe she saved him. It could have been worse if she wasn't with him. You, you understand? Maybe being with him, she learned a few things. So now moving forward, she knows exactly, you know, come on, we're all adults. We need to realize our mistakes as well. You know, there is no relationship that one person is perfect. We all make our mistakes. It's up to us to go ahead and and um, admit our mistakes. So she, you know, maybe with the time length that she was with him, she maybe realized, you know what, I've made quite a few mistakes and I'm just, I'm not going to do that in my next relationship. Just so, because she sees that he's happy, maybe he's not happy. Maybe he is ma- manipulating the other person. She was being manipulated when she was with him as well. She's just not seeing it because she's so blind about it. So I have two questions. Giovanna, you said you were married and you were said you were in a toxic relationship. Am I correct? What signs did you see? When did you see it? And ask yourself a question. I think when we date somebody or even get to the point to marry somebody, we made a decision. Did you see it before you got married or did something? I mean, I saw the signs before we got married, but I was young. You know, I was, I got married when I was 21. So the signs that I saw were type normal to me because again growing up you see certain things in families and in marriages so it wasn't anything out of the ordinary but then when we got married and we started living together um things got worse I think you know what they say like you don't really know a person until you live with them like that was true it was uh, all types of abuse uh, but I mean the signs were there from the beginning And to kind of go back to what you guys were saying before, I don't think that girl you're talking about, I don't think she saved him. Um, I think she enabled him. And once he left, maybe whoever he found didn't enable what he did. So it worked out better for her and him together. You know, I don't think there's such a thing as you saving somebody. Like, No, I I know. Not saving. Saving wasn't the right word. But sometimes you are in someone's past 
to basically help them out in certain situations that they're going through in life. Not not saving, maybe I did use the wrong vocabulary. <coughs> Excuse yeah. me, vocabulary, but but you're right, not not saving. Mm. No. So my husband, right? When we were married, he was abusive. He was he was selling drugs in and out of jail, made my life impossible, cheating left and right. Everything you could think of, I went through. Um, and now, 12 years later, mine, he's in a healthy relationship, he's working, and I don't think she put in as much work as I did. But I don't think that has anything to do with me. You know, I think it has a lot to do with him and what he's ready for at this point in his life. You know, like, I don't think there was anything I could have done when we were together to change that. I, I think that the problem with a, with a, with a lot of, um, with a lot of these cases are, a lot of people get into a relationship not knowing what they want, what they like, okay? They're used to their upbringing, you know? Give you an example. Um, my father and my mother were never together. I'd never seen my father and mother kiss. Um, I've never seen my aunt and uncle's kiss. I've never seen anybody in my family um, be intimate with each other, right? So at, at the end, I don't have the same experiences as someone else will. So I don't know what what i what i i don't know what i like in regards to a relationship i i do i know i think i know what i want i like out of a relationship i've had a, a lot of you know bad ones enough to know you know what i want but i think that what she got learned out of this your friend um is what she don't like in a relationship while it might seem like a complete waste of time you know it's kind of going to help her in the future where she won't put up with that she'll see it early and be like nope I don't like this. This was not, this didn't work in my past, you know, but it's up to her to realize that it's up to her to disable the enablement that she allows, you know, cause sometimes we enable things, we enable something to continually happen and we don't disable it. You know, you got to disable that, but that's on you to do. Do you think you could be friends with someone toxic after you feel like, you know, you had some relationship? We Giovanna, you said young, uh, Eduardo, you said, you know, your five years ago relationship, right? And it blew your mind how she told you that it was like a highness for her. And Veronica, yeah. you know, you you didn't get into more details of, of what you said as a survivor. But let me ask you something. When did you realize it had to be over? Because sometimes people don't, they don't realize how, when over is. Usually the, the, the manipulator, the aggressive one, he decides or she decides it's over. And that causes sometimes us to either end up in jail us end up with, you know, in a hospital or God forbid someone dies, you know, and with these quarantines happening right now, there are probably people right now in toxic relationships stuck at home with these people and they have no one to talk to because these people have their every move. I've met people that tell me my girlfriend or boyfriend is not allowed to have social media. And I'm thinking in my head, we live in a society where everything is social media. media. Everything is out there. All of us here have social media and we just have to look at it and we know everything about you. But there are some people that are not even allowed to have social media and they're adults. And I'm thinking in my head, how do you give someone so much power? The way they have, they have power over you because it's like, if you don't, if you don't do certain things, then you don't get what you want. Me, I was in a relationship with my kid's father that, you know, you know, you happened to meet one time. And, um, I was, with him 12 years and when i said enough was 
my son is going to be five. I literally said enough almost five years ago. In July, actually, it'll be five years that I said, I walked out and I said, enough is enough. Why I said it was because what he did, he did it in front of my, my kids. And um, I saw my kids' faces. And because I saw my kids' faces, you know, their, their expressions, I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm gonna come, I'm gonna, I'm, he's gonna kill me one day. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked he didn't kill me that day. <clears throat> so that's, I guess that's when I said, you know what, enough is enough. I can't do this anymore. It was tough. It's not hard. It's not something that you can just get up and leave because you have to think about the consequences like um, Giovanna, I think that's, that's her name. Um, like she said, you, you don't want to put your kids through the court system. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to go through this. You don't want to go through that because they, you know, they threaten you. They threaten you with many things. You know, they, they just, they have control over you. And then you feel like if you don't do something, it's either you're going to get bashed over the head or you're not going to get those, you know, nice shoes that he promised you. Or it could be many things, different things. Everybody's different. Go ahead, Joanna. Um, going back to what uh, Veronica was saying, uh, I think uh, what plays a major key is um, your support group. Because especially when you have a kid, um, it's not easy to get up and leave. Uh, and for example, when I went to go ask, because I didn't want my family to know, when I went to go ask for help, it was hard to get like any type of help from like the government or anything else. So that comes, because like a lot of people don't have any help. So they have to stay in certain relationships because they're going to end up living and like, you know, they're either going to be homeless or they're going to be in shelters. And you don't want to put your son in a shelter, you know, or your kids in a shelter. So with me, when I decided to get up and leave was when my son was, I want to say maybe three weeks, um, just because I didn't want my son to experience any type of toxicity in his life. So I remember, uh, you know, we got to argument, he left and I was like, this is it. I packed my bags. I called my mom. My parents didn't know anything. And I was like, come pick me up. You know, and like, you don't want to make that phone call because you don't want to go back home or you don't want to involve your parents or anything. So it's, it's hard to pick up that phone, that phone and, you know, say that. But I know that if I make that phone call, my parents are going to be right there. You know, so I had that. I had that family support to fall back um, on. But a lot of people don't have that, which is why I feel like people stay longer than they should. The, the thing, let me just tell you, um, when, when I went to school for counseling, one of the very first things they taught me and told me is do not counsel a family member. Do not counsel a friend, right? And that's, that, that seems, that sometimes is the issue here when we're looking for a support system uh, because we go and we go to people that not necessarily understand the situation. They can't relate. They don't know anything about the situation and we're trying to get advice from them, you know? Um, you know, instead of going to a support group, maybe they don't know it's available or not. Um, but there's support groups of people who have gone through this, you know, where they might be of more assistance to you than somebody that, you know, somebody has no clue. You know what I mean? Like, if, like, like, why would I talk to somebody about something they can't relate to? That's why, you know, as far as it goes in this, in this discussion, um, I can't relate to the children thing. You know, I, I have three nephews and a niece that I was raised, but they aren't my children, you know? So I, I, at the end of the day, there's no legal, no legal binding from my side. 
Um, you know, so you guys have different circumstances and obstacles um, that keep you in the situations or might help you help keep you in the same situation. But I think that we reach out to the wrong people sometimes. Um, and it's not really our fault. It's just that we're not knowledgeable of what's available. No, because I went, I looked for a support group, you know, and I went to, I don't know, somewhere in Queens. Now, I don't drive. I didn't drive at the time. And I have a young, um, so I had to catch, I don't even know how many buses and a train to get there. And you had to attend a certain amount of meetings before they even offered you help. And then because I was married, I had to like take him to court. And it was like a whole bunch of shit before mm -hmm. they even offered that support. You know, mm -hmm. so it was like they were giving me the runaround. And I'm like, mm -hmm. if I was in a, a, a place where I was like, about to get killed i would have fucking died because they weren't offering that help that they were supposed to give me so that mm -hmm. support wasn't there from who's supposed to support me now when it comes to my family they didn't give me emotional support or none of that i was talking more financial support where mm -hmm. i was able to get up and leave uh, where i you know where i lived with my husband and go somewhere else to live mm -hmm. because for the government to help me find a place it would have took months or years so that's what I'm talking about, like the government or support from outside help as opposed to family help, because family help is more immediate. Like I literally picked mm. up the phone and, <clears throat> and five, minutes five minutes later, my mom was outside, you know, and it was like, so do you I don't feel have like to worry the, about where I live. Do you feel like the system is, is bullshit? It is like, bullshit. Do you think the system in New York City is bullshit? Eduardo, you just nodded your head. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so when I, when I, um, when I started dating my wife, she, she came out of a messed up relationship too. Um, not so much, I guess you, yeah, you could say it was toxic and there was a child involved, which is our oldest. Let me tell you, it's, it's she, I, I watched her have like two breakdowns. Um, they just, I, I don't know if it's just the systems hardened, everything that goes on or these judges, when you deal with them, like they just don't, like she literally had to fight and that's the one thing like if you they there's many that i'm pretty sure give up you have to fight you have to like give it your all like there were times that she was just burnt out trying to get the simplest things like even orders of protections and even those things are just as far as i'm concerned that like 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 the cliche goes it's just a piece of paper it, it's it was bad it was bad it was so bad to the point that in one of her court cases where, again, she was there for an order of protection against him and trying to keep distance with him and, and everything like that, um, usually in those instances, they will let the person who is um, either abused or person that's trying to get the order of protection, they'll usually let them leave first. And it was like a joke. Um, they, let, they let him leave first. Um, I had, we, we were just dating at the time. I had lent her um, my car to go to court that day and she called me up hysterical and he basically flattened all four of the tires. So he figured out where my car was parked. He knew what it looked like. They had no protection from her. And she was, she's trying to argue with them. Like, how do you let him leave first? So, the, so the, that question I do have for the rest of the people, I know Eddie, I want to get back to you on the, on the system. Retaliation in a toxic relationship. Did anyone else face that in, in their relationship? Cause That's you got your thing. tires popped. So what, how about you? Um, my the, his retaliation to mine was he called ACS, which out here mm -hmm. in Jersey is called Dyfus. Um, that was one of his retaliations. I was living at my father's house in the basement at the time, and he um tried to break the window. Well, actually, he broke a window in the basement. Um, 
he called the fire department and said that my dad's basement was illegal. That was another retaliation. And the reason why they retaliate is because they can't control you anymore. Once you're out, you're yeah. out. Yeah. Well, my credit cards, he used them up, took my money off the bank, left me with no money, took my car, left that upstate. And because we were married, I couldn't report the car stolen. Like he literally took my car and I couldn't report it stolen because he's my husband. Now he did whatever, the car was under my name, tickets, everything, everything was under my name. But yeah, I couldn't get the car back because he's my husband. You know, so like all of that came into play and I didn't even know any of that because it was like if I could go back in time, I would have never gotten married. But, you know, besides all of that, uh, it got to a point where it was like, I guess he realized that I was no longer like I didn't want to be with him anymore. And I wasn't going back where it was like, I'm going to kill you, you know, like and he he moved. He decided to leave Brooklyn and move upstate because if he stood, he knew that he was going to kill me. Like, if he saw me with anybody else. Well, for me, me personally, um, my, I haven't been in, a, like, a physical toxic relationship, per se, you know. Um, I, I, had, I was dating a girl. Um, we went out to a place, and she, I, let her drink so she, I let her drink so I could drive home because I drove her car. And she got upset at me. And when we were going home, she started kicking my ass. Like, she started hitting me like crazy because I didn't want her to drive her car home. So I ended up leaving the car in the street, parked it. I pulled a cab. I told him, yo, give her, give the cab your address. I gave him the keys. I told him, yo, send him home. You know, send him home. I, 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 I Take her home. Don't bring her back or whatever. Um, and at that point, I cut that shit off, you know. Um, that's the most physical that I've, that I've gotten. I, and it didn't, it didn't, I got, I got rid of that immediately, you know. Um, something I didn't like. Um, as far, for mine, it would be more of like a codependence. And I, sometimes I get addicted to, um, to the, to the female, you know, um, because they give me something that, that I want something that, you know, something I'm looking for, you know, I have everything I want in life. Um, you know, last thing I want for me is I want marriage. I want to, I want to get married. I want I don't want to waste time anymore, you know? Um, so they, that kind of gets held over my head when I kind of meet somebody, I'm like, shit, this might be the one that I'm going to get married to, you know, and I'll stick it out because it's like, damn, I want to marry this person. You know, I, I, th- I want to lead, I want this to lead to a, to a marriage because I'm getting older, you know, I want to have children as well. But other than that, um, you know, I, I can't really relate to the children part because I don't have children, you know, I, I've never been married, you know? Um, so it's, kind of, it's, I, it's, it's a good perspective to hear from them. Um, it's definitely very good. It's upsetting to hear what, what everybody's going through, you know? Um, and I know that there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this that can actually relate to them. Um, to kind of piggyback off what you said, I don't think my thing was, uh, I mean, my son came into play uh, later on when he was trying to win me back and, you know, because I already had my child. But I think um, what kept me in the relationship was my morals you know like because uh growing up it was like you're married this is the person you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with no matter what you know so it was like okay no matter what you know so it was like i was putting up with things trying to fix the relationship because um i already embarrassed my parents by getting pregnant before i got married right because i'm ecuadorian old school but so you already did that now you don't want to get divorced you know like because Growing up, my whole family is married. Uh, my whole family has been with their husbands and wives for years and years. I'm the only one who is divorced 
uh, I was the only one who got pregnant before marriage, you know? So it's like, I already embarrassed my family. I didn't want to embarrass them more by leaving this relationship. So I think a lot of what I went through, I went through because of my morals that were installed in me, you know, by like, I guess, tradition. A lot of this is very interesting. So many different point of views, so many different perspectives, reasons why we stay. And this next thing that I mentioned earlier is about a question. So I just want to read it to you and just take two, three minutes and give me your point of view. And the question this person wrote to me was, I like a woman who recently left a toxic relationship and recently married, but I feel that I'm trying to open her up. She tells me she's numb and she gets scared sometimes when I try touching her. I like her, but I sure, I'm not sure if I know how to understand her. What can I do or should I just not even bother? I think that she, she, I'm sorry. I think she, is she still jumping with a person that she has, you know, that wasn't the abuser? I don't think she's healed enough to even be in any relationship. She has to heal. She has to um, take time for herself and make sure that whenever she's ready to talk about basically the past, it's not going to affect her in her present moment. I mean, should he walk away? I, 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 I think he should for the time being and just let her know that he's still going to be there to support her, but not be there as a boyfriend, you know, not be there in as, you know, an intimate relation, because that's just gonna, it's not gonna let her, she's not gonna have, she's not gonna heal properly. Um, I agree. I think uh, maybe if he wants to be there, he should be there, like to listen and kind of um, show support. I don't think uh, she, he should be there uh, romantically. Um, I don't think she's ready for anything at that at this point. I think she, like you said, she needs time to heal. And I think that's um, key. Uh, I think everybody after being in a relationship, a toxic relationship, needs time to heal, needs time to find themselves and kind of gain their strength back. You know, like you don't want to jump into something new when you haven't finished healing. Eduardo, what do you think? Uh, it's the same. I think she... She definitely needs time to heal. Anybody coming out of that needs time to heal. Um, if you don't heal, I, I think that there's a potential without her even realizing it. Or anybody who's coming out, if you jump into a relationship right away, you, you may even find yourself creating, almost recreating that situation because yeah. you're going to, and the person that you're with may not even fall into that category as a manipulator, but as the person that hasn't healed, you're going to start latching on to certain things like maybe your previous relationship. So if, if you were afraid to leave because you were insecure or because they threatened you with, you know, all oh, your life's going to change or, or maybe that person, you know, the manipulator, whoever you were with before your, your, your world revolved around them, you're going to this next relationship, then you're going to put that person in the same kind of situation where now your world is going to revolve around this new relationship. And like, um, uh, I forgot her name. She just mentioned uh, before, you're, you're almost like you sabotage. You're going to sabotage everything again. Um, so yeah, definitely healing is key. If, if he wants to hang around and be a friend and, and you know, with zero um, motive, zero, uh, you know, just, just with no expectations and, and just try to really be a friend, um, and then, you know, if anything grows from that, then let it grow slowly. 
Um, I, 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 you know what? They, they kind of took the words out of my mouth, all of them, um, collectively. Um, I think, I do think that, um, the person needs to heal before they could trust someone else, you know, fully trust them. Um, it's not as simple as you saying, Hey, trust me, trust me. I'm not going to break your heart, blah, 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 blah. You kind of got to show them, but when they're still scarred, they're blind. They're not going to really see it, you know, and, um, forcing something is going to definitely be a disaster you know, you do need to evaluate yourself whether or not you want to stick around or not. Um, it's not as simple to say stick around or don't stick around. Um, if you're the kind of person that could genuinely be there for somebody without an expectation um, and just want to be there for somebody genuinely, then you can stick around. But if you have an expectation um, that is going to grow for some, grow to something um, and it just won't, or it might grow to something very toxic or it's something that's not going to form properly, then you gotta, you gotta be out, you know, like you have to, you can't, you can't stick that out because, you know, that time may never come. It may never come that she might trust you or you guys might have a healthy relationship. So my two cents on all this, I think in this modern era that we're in, there's enough support system. We have the internet, we have YouTube, we have social media, we have motivational speeches, speakers, music, uh, every type of source of support that people probably 20 years ago didn't have. And I think it's very important to use that to identify who you are. The butterfly theory that people always use, you know, you're a butterfly, you know, the whole cocoon theory. The way I look at it is this, you have a scar, either pick it or just let it heal. It's always going to be there to remind you who you are, what you went through. But if you have kids, that's great. You know, teach them all the values that it is. I'm not going to lie to you. Half the things we vouch that we're not going to say we're not going to do, we do it. Oh, I'm never going to be in a relationship with a woman who's going to hit me or try to do something. But guess what? Oh, shit, I have kids. Or, oh, you know, I don't want my family to tell me what to do. Because the way I look at it as a teenager, our first actual, like, important decision is who we date. Who we date, who we sleep with. Those are, like, our actual first own decisions that we do on our own. And we don't want to look bad and say, oh, someone told me not to date this person because they told me so. Or my parents told me so. Or have kids. But I do want to end it with this way. I want each one of you guys to give me your last point of view of thought to any listener out there right now who's listening to this, who may be in the same situation, who's in a toxic relationship, or know somebody. Each one of you have a story through friendships, through families, through divorces. It's great that you're all strong enough to talk about it, and I do thank you that. But there are people out there right now that don't. They don't talk about it. They feel like they're fine. They're numb. So take the next two minutes and your last final thoughts. Um, I feel like my final thought would be like, you're going to be okay. You know, like, I know it's hard. I know you, you're going through something. Um, you're scared, but you're going to be okay. You know, um, I was young. Like I said, I was 21. I didn't have anything, you know, and I had a child. Um, at that point, I had stopped working. I didn't have any money. Um, so my situation was bad and it was hard, but you know, I was able to go back to school. I was able to find a job. I was able to get my bachelor's. I was able to get my master's. My son, he's 12, never been through anything toxic in his life. He's traveled, I don't even know how many countries, you know, like he's had a better life than a whole bunch. And you're going to be okay. Like your past doesn't define you, you know? And I feel like that's really important for people to know that you're going to be fine. You're going to, you can get out of it, you know, even if you feel like you cannot, you can. All you have to do is like put your mind to it and kind of know your worth. A few key things is, again, going back to heal. You got to heal. 
plain and simple. Not saying, like you, like you mentioned, you either pick the scar or you let it heal. Scar's there. It's a reminder. It's a, if anything, it's a reminder to show how strong you were, how you made it out of it, where you'd never want to go back to. Second thing is that support system. Like you said, we have so much more. You know, we, we do have the internet. We have social media. Sometimes it's good or bad, but again, you can, you can filter through that. Get yourself people that are truly on your side. Not yes people, not um, people that are just going to give you like the advice just to make you feel better. You know, sometimes, you know, you have, you, I, I've, I've always, um, I've always try to keep those close to me who are real no matter what. You know, even even through my hearing process, some of some there was things sometimes I didn't even want to hear because I had it. You know, again, I had things that I had to fix with myself that I didn't realize. You know, my me personally, I think I shared that with you um, earlier. Is you know, I'm I'm more spiritual, so that I lean towards that way. But again, you have to have something to grasp on, and then, um, like she said a, a few minutes ago, it does get better. There's no time frame for it, but it does get better and you'll look back and you're going to be you're going to wonder what took you so long but it, i've never seen a situation that doesn't get better yeah there's trial yeah you're going to go through pains and you know it, again for some people it's quick for some people it's longer yes there's children involved but it does get better so for whoever's going through that right now you know don't worry about what people will say to you only you can judge yourself it will be a little rough path before it becomes great. If a lot of us have survived it, trust me, you can survive it yourself as well. Listen to music. There's a lot of things that you can, that can help you basically get out of the situation. Don't let the person tell you any different. Like they were saying before, it's up to you if you want to pick on that scar or let it heal. And you just look at that scar every, you know, every now and then be like, wow, I survived this. I'm going to be okay. I, I am okay. You know what? I am great. So whoever's out there, walk out before it's too late. I would say um, for anybody out there going through this, um, the, fir the first step I believe is loving yourself, like genuinely loving yourself to know that you can trust yourself and know your worth. Um, as far as it goes, you know, trust yourself to know that if you walk out of a relationship, that you're going to be just fine. You know, no matter how hard it is, you can trust yourself that you're going to make it better all the time. You know, like, like everybody said, you know, it's going to be a little bit slow sometimes. It's not going to happen right away. Um, but it's a process and it's something that you have to work at. Um, I also think that, you know, cause I work with cancer patients, some of them are terminally ill. I think that for someone to stay in a good mind frame, they have to stay motivated, you know, so they need to do things that will motivate them, you know, it might be reading, it might be physical activity, it might be dancing, um, keep your motivation levels high, think about something that's going to be positive for you, you know, I try and get people to think about, hey, what's most important to you, family, okay, when is the next family gathering, oh, Thanksgiving, okay, well, maybe you want to talk about your legacy. Maybe you want to talk about your life. Tell people stuff they don't know, you know, stuff that you would like to share, things that you're not comfortable with sharing with other people, but maybe your family. That might be something to motivate you to get better and get healthy mentally. Um, I do think that it's very important that you get healthy mentally um, and you love yourself. Um, and that's something a lot of people fail to do. A lot of people don't love themselves, I don't think. But then again, that's relative, so. So my final thought on all this, um, Love yourself, like someone said earlier. 
you are enough, whoever it is out there. You know, no, you don't have to show off. You don't have to do extra, especially those that are mothers. God bless you. You, already, you gave life to kids, you know, and you hold that baby for nine months in your stomach and you nurtured it. Chances are that you're pretty much there at night, staying up late at night to take care of the kids. Um, for us men, it's, you know, it's a give and take. There's men out there I know that are really humble and can't wait to be with somebody, even with kids or even without kids. But there's some of, of us that want love and there are people out there that have that power to abuse us. Let's face it, the L-O-V-E word, love, is a killer. It's the most beautiful word you want to hear, but it could kill you. I think it's important to understand that everyone here has a story. And I hope that someone listening is actually taking, taking very clear thoughts of what they're hearing right now. Because you're here. You're survivors. You moved on from it. You guys are better. And to be strong enough to share it, it's, it's something unique. Because some people don't want to share nothing. Some people are embarrassed. Some people care too much of what people think out there in the real world. This is why I say live in love and fuck it. Don't give two shits what people think. All right? That's your life. End of the day, when our time comes, you're the one who leaves. And then everyone wants to miss you. It's about you now. Live the moment. We're currently in this big quarantine. And everywhere we see people dying. So you appreciate the moment. You appreciate the freedom. You appreciate everything you learn. And either you take your knowledge and share with people or take it to the grave. So if you experienced something and you, you fought a battle, I think it's only wise for you to share it to somebody else. That's my final thought. I thank you so much, Eduardo, Giovanna, Carmen, Edward. Thank you so much for taking this time um, to spend time and talk about this. And I hope you and your families are safe. Any Likewise. last thoughts? Have a good night, guys. All right? Stay good safe. Night. Yes, Stay good safe. Night, Have a good night, everybody. Wow. You know, I did learn a lot from everyone's stories. And I feel like we barely scratched the surface with this topic. So, who knows? If there's anyone out there that wants to add on to this or feels like they want to share their stories, feel free. It's all about motivating, helping each other out. And not, you know, giving a fuck what people think. So, until then, have a good night. Thank you for listening. <laughs>